to Inside the 18, live from United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm Michael Magid. With me is Instagram superstar Omar Zini from Pro GK Academy, and literally a real superstar <laughs> with us. We have the head of FA goalkeeping, Tim Dittmer, on Inside the 18, which is honestly, I literally can't believe that this is happening. I know I've been stalking you for like an entire week now. Like You've been like, who's that little guy who's behind me this entire time trying to convince me to come on some podcast uh, performing in front of like some, I don't know, some sort of weird robot camera that he's got set up literally in the lobby over here. But <laughs> honestly, man, this is, this is honestly... For goalkeeping nerds, like this is huge. This is huge. We saw your your your, your lesson plan yesterday that you did that the, the whole presentation, and and I was like, my gosh, this is everything I wanted. This is incredible. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time, man. This is this is absolutely incredible. So. No, no problem. Well, superstar, I think not. But uh, thank you for the kind words, and good to be uh, one in the U.S. and and two, sharing good experiences and ideas and um, collaboration with so many good people and good coaches. So yeah, you know, great to be here, and um, yeah enjoying it this is this has been amazing and thank you also by the way sorry my words are getting a little tongue-tied here this is kind of nerdy of me becoming like a fanboy uh going on here but uh thank you for rating reviewing it's i'm gonna professional rating reviewing and subscribing the podcast guys you guys have been absolutely phenomenal uh honestly we're 255 worldwide uh remember please leave your instagram handle or twitter handle in the review when you leave it so that we know who you are we can send you your prize also, the more reviews we get, guys, the higher up the rankings we move, the more goalkeepers we reach out to, the more people like Tim Dittmer are like, you know what, actually we're willing to come on this podcast now because we're seeing all the people that, that, are, that are listening to the podcast. So this is, <laughs> this is absolutely fantastic. And, and okay, I'm just going to keep rambling here. I do want to give a shout-out to one person right here. Uh, the second I mentioned that you were going to be on the podcast, Ken Clark uh, out of Portland, he goes, uh, and by the way, that's at there's only one GK, goes, Tim Dittmer is a great one. Glad you guys are coming together to chat, exclamation point. So uh, if Ken Clark in Portland says you're amazing, then obviously it's going to be amazing. Um, let's get to get into this topic. Omar Omar, staring at me. He's like, I've never seen you like this before on a <laughs> podcast. Because usually I've got total control and total command. Um, today's topic, guys, preventative goalkeeping, defending the different areas. Uh, Tim, yesterday at the, uh, the FA uh, presentation that you gave about, you know, the way you guys are doing things with goalkeepers over there, uh, I raised my hand and uh, I said preventative goalkeeping. And you said, I love that. That's brilliant. And I was like, oh, my God, maybe I can actually get him on the podcast now because <laughs> he actually believed that. And then I thought about it. I was like, wait a second. This could be a really good topic. Um, for the layperson out there who's listening, who may not be familiar with all the goalkeeping terminology, what is preventative goalkeeping? Yeah, so you were, you were right in what you say when you, uh, what you said in the, in the talk that I did yesterday or the talk that I, I gave and, um, and what have you. We, we involved the audience and asked for some of their feedback and what they thought about certain parts. And, and you stuck your hand up um, and you mentioned the word preventative goalkeeping and that immediately caught my caught my ear a um, couple of reasons really uh, one I thought it was quite a snappy understandable description of how uh, any given goalkeeper might play the game um, and I think that's important because when we're trying to support players to develop and, and perform and and be good goalkeepers they need stuff to hold on to and I thought the, the way you phrased that around be a preventative goalkeeper uh, gave a real clear message of how you might want someone to play the game um, so I really like that concept and, and, and what it actually meant to me was um, a goalkeeper who thinks about the game, a thinking goalkeeper who's thinking about what's going to happen next and in turn putting themselves in a good position to then act upon the next thing that may or may not happen. For me it was a great, it was a, a, a you know, real good description or a really good shout of what, you, what you've given out. It's made me think and it's, it's good to come together and talk about it now. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to start this dialogue here because I think it's something that's really important for a lot of goalkeeper coaches out there to listen to because I believe for the most part that we've been kind of, especially in the United States, we, we basically train reactionary goalkeepers um, who are dealing with the situation once the situation is already developed um, rather than preventing that situation from happening. So, Omar, I don't know if you want to add on to that right there. No, I think that's a very short shorter term for sweeper keeper or somebody who actually is is uh, not switched off on the ball is the other half of the field somebody who is actively thinking about the next scenario that could potentially happen and i think nowadays as coaches it's our job to you know unfortunately we don't, sometimes we don't have the full field of uh to, uh, to our you know to our access but putting our goalkeepers in those situations where they're having to read movements and and uh you know pockets of space that may 
may uh, find some balls going through. So it's important for us to, uh, to have that, yeah. Um, let's talk about those different areas of concern, the different spaces. Uh, Tim, can you, can you kind of uh, preface that and what you brought up in the presentation yesterday? Yeah, so um, we, we've labeled how uh, we want our goalkeepers to think about the game in three areas. Um, firstly, they've got to be in a good support position um, for, for any situation. But then the three areas when the other team have, have got the ball or the other team are in possession uh, is asking the goalkeepers to think about how, how they would defend the space between themselves and the back four, uh, how they would defend the area for balls that are played into the area or across the area, the 18-yard box. And also, obviously, most importantly, they defend the goal. Um, and and it's it's not just about how they do them uh, three things. It's We want them to think about how they might prevent certain scenarios with their positioning and with yeah. their decision. Um, so we never talk about just the action. We talk around the position and the decision before any given action. So I think that probably sums up or, or describes that preventative goalkeeper and that mindset that definitely something that we, we we value and work towards and work with with our goalkeepers yeah yeah um I, I like my, my favorite part was the not just the defending the goal space but the the the, the outer regions if you want to call it um, because I believe that in modern goalkeeping a lot of goalkeeping is now taking place within those 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 higher those higher spaces mm -hmm. and the, the spaces I think you believe you were talking about was the the, the space uh, directly from uh, the 12 to the 18 and then the 18 and beyond right yes but, that's right yeah okay so um how is the FA? How's the FA basically changing the way that they're perceiving the training for their goalkeepers to deal with those areas? Yeah, so um, I think I think practice design uh, is what you're talking about. Um, it's it's definitely an area that we've we've shone the light on a lot more during our courses. Um, I think I think sometimes um, people can have practices that 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 involve repeatedly practicing the final action of any given scenario whether that be a shot a cross a pass um but don't don't marry that up with the decision or the position that they were in b before that scenario happened um so we we now ask people to put on practices um which have got a bit more context behind them uh, linked to the game uh so they have to think where they stood how they stood and then what decision they'll, they'll make to yeah. prevent or if they can't prevent then react to the um scenario that they've been put in so uh, it's definitely something we, we we encourage more a complex topic and a complex area of, of development and coaching um, but we think it's one where we can get some of the best and biggest returns yeah no again I, I mean I watched a uh, clip I think it was from a West Ham session and uh, their goalkeeper coach just played balls over the top had their keeper come out it seemed like it was very straightforward but it, it allowed the goalkeeper to see different uh, types of balls that were being played over the top outswingers balls that were being played across the field. So you got different types of balls that came through and you gave the goalkeeper some muscle memory and, and kind of a picture, you know, paint a picture that may not always be perfect, but yeah. balls that you, even the balls you don't come out for, there's a, there is a decision to be made. So I think that's also important to continue to do that kind of stuff where make the goalkeeper a little bit uncomfortable because at the end of the day, the more uncomfortable you make them prior to the game, the more comfortable they'll be because they've seen that scenario over and over. So yeah. yeah, for sure. And listen, technical actions emerge or come out of decisions that we make yeah um and i'll repeat that the actions that we choose to make come out of the decisions that we've made so if you just if you just coach the technical action and not the decision you're coaching the wrong thing um we encourage people not to separate the two have the decision and then the action yeah i think even even like for like some of the goalkeepers that i'll train sometimes we'll do in the warm-up or like progressions obviously we'll just do like you know one touch clearances or a uh, situation where you hit a goal kick to your either your your six or you play the ball to your left back you get a one touch ball back and you're continuously working on that one touch two touch clearance working on that prep touch and that's the technical aspect like you're saying correct yeah. and then when that ball gets played over the top let's say you have to come clear out all that one touch technical work like you said is, is being accessed and now we have the ability to recall that information that we just trained from a technical side of things so correct exactly yeah. that's the that's the thing though it's the patience as a coach to kind of have a set plan that it may not have to be in one session but you continuously keep glossing over the topic over and over so your goalkeepers have the recollection of it retention and then from there we continue to build so and what do you think sorry to cut across you no, again. no 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 what, what do you think as a coach it's easier to train do you think it's easier to coach the f or put on exercises that are the final action or it's easier to put on situations where there might be numerous actions which one do you think is easier the final action yeah yeah 
because it's, it's dead straightforward, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you pick pick an action, a kick, a catch, a pass, a dive. Right, let's yeah. do it. Um, but if you put a a, 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 um, a variable or like a variable, some, yeah. a variable uh, slant on it, where the ball might go in two or three different places, that means as a coach you've got to be ready and agile enough to coach two or three different outcomes, yeah. as well as allowing each goalkeeper to solve that solve any given problem how they wish. Yeah. So it is a little bit more complicated as well. So naturally, um, people can be drawn towards working on the final action. So, Do you feel that at the youth level there's a little bit too much overcoaching going on, which doesn't allow the goalkeeper to develop that, that muscle? Yes. Okay. That's just, that's just the firm answer right there. <laughs> but what do you tell your coaches? Is it kind of like, I mean, like we talked about yesterday, I asked the question about, you know, have you ever had kind of like that uh, – not the wrestling match, but some some you know differences in opinion in terms of how you approach certain topics or approach certain layers of uh, goalkeeping with the other coaches, and how do you guys find a common ground in the FA to make sure that you guys are also trying to get the final final product but at the same time that your methodology doesn't go astray from the actual FA's approach? Yeah. Um, listen, no, I've not met a coach yet that sets out to put on a bad session or a session where the 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 participants. Are not trying to be uh, improved, yeah. you know. Unless they really hate being at that club, and <laughs> yeah. just trying to find a way to get out. There. Yeah, <laughs> and I haven't met one yet. So, us, us coaches, we all we all deliver what we deliver with the best of intention. Sure. Um, it's really important uh, as a coach that, that you're open, and that you are that, that you're willing to receive feedback and consider some ideas that you may be offered from other people. Um, and I think that that is an attribute that is, that is required at every level, whether you're a grassroots coach for a real young age, right the way up to a senior Premier League coach or international coach. Being open and considering new ideas and ways of, of achieving, achieving outcomes in different ways, it's, 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 it's well worth listening to how, how you might achieve that. Yeah. You know, uh, earlier on today, we had uh, Nathan Thackeray from NC Courage, and he was talking about you know, one of the mistakes that a lot of coaches make is that they watch, they watch the premier level. They watch, you know, let's be on TV, they watch the Premier League, they watch Champions League or whatever, and they're working with nines or they're watching with 12s or whatever, and that it's a, essentially a different game and that you need to watch the level that you're coaching at. Um, what advice do you give to coaches to, to kind of basically make sure, it's like do the starting positions change based on the age range that you're coaching? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. No, the same. They might change in distances, but that's natural given the size of the pitch. But the concept of a start position is in relation to where the ball and the goal is, and the opposition, the opposition players. So the distances may slightly change, but the the idea of where you start and how you stand remain the same. Um, yeah, that's my answer to that one. Okay. How early? I mean, we talk about this, this field size and things like that. How early do you guys start in the FA? Do you say, hey, we need to start? You know. Is it based on the trends that you see in the games? Let's say U U ten, U eleven. The field may not be the you know stretched out to the full size yet, but even on those fields, are you guys trying to have them access that uh, kind of tool in their head to to be on the front foot and kind of be ready to pounce and anything that comes over the top? Yeah, hundred percent. It's important to have um, it's important to have goalkeepers on the field that's marked out proportionally correct for their mm -hmm. age. So I, ideally, um, we look to get them in eleven v elevens. Uh, aged 14, under okay. 14, um, and before that they're on uh, smaller pitches, which, you know, at, at academy level are, are marked out appropriately. At grassroots level, not so much. Yeah. Um, some people might say, oh, they have to be in a box, or it has to be six yards or 18 yards. I get that, um, but also the ability to be adaptable, and the ability to play on varying surfaces, varying distances, varying mm -hmm. conditions. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna um, always be pretty. It's not yeah. gonna, uh, it's not going to prevent you from being a goalkeeper that for one week you've had to play in a D rather than <laughs> a box. You know, yeah. just just be adaptable and deal with it. Yeah, I, I want to talk about different surfaces because that's something I was thinking about. Is like, do your starting positions change based on the surface that you're playing on? You know, obviously artificial turf is very big in the youth youth game a lot because it's just cheaper than you know yeah. maintaining grass consistently. So, because the ball bounces differently um, or anything like that. Like, what, do you guys ever talk about that in the FA? I think it. I think it's a really good question. I've not not probably spoke about this for a while and as you're asking the question it's making me think back to when I was playing and um, the ideal conditions for me was uh, a cool cloudy day 
um, that where it had been raining, so the pitch was still wet. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't going to get the sun in my eyes. I wasn't too hot and sweating. And I knew that the ball was going to skid through for a through ball. <laughs> so um, And it was going to be a fun through ball, too. Like, when you go down for those balls, you slide all the way through. Yeah, I love those. I, I, um, I specifically uh, disliked um, hot days, um, no clouds, sun out, and dry pitches. Because as that through ball comes through, <laughs> oh, you can't quite see whether it's got any backspin on. It might pass through the sun. You're a bit agitated because you're really hot anyway, wearing a black kit and a massive pair of gloves. <laughs> And before you know it, you've you've not defended the space as you as the as the as the crowd expected you to. So, um, listen, great, it's a great question. Um, but going back to what I, what I said before, I think we've got to be adaptable and be able to cope and read them kind of cues and triggers. And it's probably something I only thought about after I finished playing. Where you know, let's be in, let's be uh, let's be deliberate about the thinking of yeah. our keepers. Talk to them about this stuff when it's dry, when it's got backspin on, when it's sunny. Um, what does it mean to them? What should they do differently? So there's a number of scenarios you can do to prevent that. Um, you know, if you're facing the sun, and when you're in position pre preparing to defend the space or the area, you can have one hand up that's in the way of the sun, so that's blocking the sun out of your vision. So you're then able to keep your eye on the ball and get a clear view of it. Um, if it's if it's a drier pitch and you think the ball might hold up, um, you you probably need to be a lot more decisive with your decision and make it early that you're either going to drop off really quick yeah. or you're just going to come all the way and yeah. you haven't got time to make that decision later um, because the, because the, the, the ball will have found its destination quicker. Yeah. Um, even, even with the wind as well, like even with like, wind, a, yes, yeah, like you can wind. stay a lot higher because you know the ball will die out and yeah, then you yeah. probably have way less space to cover because it'll die out. So it's Correct. just playing the uh, the situations a little bit better. and well, it's, using, yeah. it's, it's using the... Um, it's using your visibility as a signal, isn't it? Yeah. So you're picking up cues from around you, around wind, around around grass, around opposition, around conditions, and you're using that to inform your decision making and next action. For sure. So I think one last thing, I think you know, we're talking about like technical tools and things like that. One of the biggest things right now that I've noticed from other coaches is like, you know, visual cues and you know, either bouncing the ball off off your touch. So you know, in a game, you don't get a yes or you don't get a, a verbal cue from a shooter. So you know, why would you train it like that? So do you feel like training that skill of visual cues consistently also helps build that muscle memory of understanding, you know, visual cues of seeing the ball over the top. When the center back is taking a touch and is going to play the ball over the top, you're already kind of inching forward. So those little cues that you see from different uh, body shapes of uh, defenders or forwards who are either going to make their runs across the back or play balls over the top, things like that. Yeah, they're, they're far more relevant. Um far more relevant and, 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 and work better in, in acquiring the skill as a goalkeeper. You know, you, t you, you need to take the game problems or the problem from the game or the game provides you. So, you know, uh, winger running down the wing, lots of bodies in the box, they're about to cross it. Um, you've got to use that information to recognise that you're going to have to be really aggressive yeah. and really positive with your decision if you're coming for the ball. So use the cues you should use should be the ones that you get in the game as often as possible do you feel and then i've asked this question to other people for do you feel you're better off committing to your decision whether it was the quote unquote right or wrong decision then a lot of kids they they start waffling and then they, they want to go retreat back on their decision because they realize oh i'm not going to get to that through ball are you better off just over committing i think you are okay. when you think of the best keepers in the world and the most successful keepers in the world I, I don't think you'd label any of them as indecisive. You, they, they seem to be quite um, thorough with the decision making, and, and quite deliberate that when they've made a decision, they they yeah. carry they carry through with it. Uh, every now and again, that um, that plays itself out in a in a big mistake. Allison, yes, in, in <laughs> the a, red cards in, in, yeah. in a big mistake, yeah. yeah. But um, you know, I think in general, um, the best goalkeepers make decisive decisions. One thing: Do you guys have a specific uh, way to? To train your goalkeepers with the IQ of the of the game and how they perceive the game outside of the field, is it through film or how do you guys kind of like build that uh, understanding of oh, okay. trends and how yeah. how you know things like that? So we, we, we encourage the goalkeepers we work with to be students of the game. Okay. Um, we, we ask we ask them um, loaded questions. Um, we ask them wrong questions sometimes to see if they're willing to challenge. <laughs> yeah, for something sure. that's wrong. So you know we say to them stuff like right. Um, you're facing, uh, there's a corner coming in uh, from an in-swinger. We want you to start on the six-yard box. 
Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Six <laughs> yard box. So we want we want them to challenge what we're saying. By the way, them. some some coach just walked down the stairs and heard that, and they started putting that in their notes. Right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. Like, Tim Dimmer was saying that's what you're supposed to be doing. So he's got it. Um, no, I I actually love that because and now you're making them think. Now you're making them think, and um and now also dealing like dealing with uh you doing that, and now they're they're processing like what am I supposed to say like. He sounds so con- like in con- such conviction that this is what you're supposed to do, and I'm starting to think like this is what I want to do. But now you're starting to make them realize that like, regardless of who the person is, whether it's yourself or whether it's a, a youth coach or whatever, that that they need to trust their own instincts yeah. and go. You know what, coach? I don't actually agree with you right there, and this is why. And then we can start that dialogue. So, so what would you say is the um, give me some give me some attributes of uh, of a leader? Okay. A player who's got good leadership. One that's clear, concise, and direct with their communication. So, so they're, like they're willing to speak. They're willing to speak, and they're also going to be very con- confident with what they're saying to their, okay. to their back line. So if I ask you to stop there, if you want someone to be confident to speak uh, and be a good communicator, I think you said, willing to speak up, you, you need to afford, as a coach, we need to afford them the opportunity to do that. For sure. So we need to provide the platform for that to happen. So... Let's say you are running a session on the field and um, you've got them two defenders and they're in goal and there's some crosses coming in. If, as a coach, if you're giving all the information to the defenders about where to stand, how to stand and coaching the goalkeeper too much, you are preventing the goalkeeper from actually practicing, communicating and leading and talking. And the same off the pitch. You know, When you're working with your goalkeepers off the pitch, in the, either in the classroom or in the changing room, they're, they're vital opportunities where you might get the chance to get someone to speak up in front of someone, to get someone to challenge you, to get someone to, um, to raise their voice or to disagree or to tell you some information. You know, give them them opportunities. Yeah. You just exploded. My mind, my mind just exploded. That's so awesome. <laughs> I, 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 this, is, this, is, this, is, this is why we have people like yourself on here. This is can, just, I, can I tell you yeah. how we do that with our England goalkeepers? I would love to know how you do that okay, with your England so goalkeepers. On our, on our goalkeeping camps, um, we do loads of stuff. We do pitch sessions, grass sessions, gym sessions, uh, analysis sessions, etc. So one of the tasks we do, um, we split the, split the guys up into a group of three, let's say. Uh, they each get a laptop with some, um, some clips of a game on, uh, one of our England goalkeepers or a or another top goalkeeper from around the world. They then go off for 20 minutes and they study them clips. Uh, they, they each have to pick out two clips that they're able to um, reference our DNA terminology to. So some characteristics or some yeah. of the pitch geography stuff. After the 20 minutes, they have to come back into the, the classroom. They have to stand up with the video on and present their findings to the room. So they stand up, the video plays, they talk, articulate and explain to the rest of the room why this particular clip is some positive goalkeeping or, or for what we're doing today, some preventive goal, goalkeeping. So we're checking their ability to talk, their confidence, uh, their tone of voice, um, their knowledge, um, the language that they use, how their body language is, how they're stood. Um, so it's a, it's a real eye-opener. It's something we've done for years, but when, when people have co- come in and watched the camps, they've been like, wow, that's a really good thing to do. And it's, it's, a, bit of a, it's a bit of a kind of a, a natural one for us. We just do stuff like that all the time. How, um, how, was, the, how was the natural maturation process of, that you've seen from the goalkeepers after they've come through this FA process like that? Listen, you, if, if let's say you come to four goalkeeping camps a year, that's how many there are, you're going to get a chance to stand up and speak four times. That ain't gonna make you a leader or an yeah. effective communicator, um, but it hopefully it hope, hopefully sets off some deliberate thinking in you as a as a young player to say, I need to speak up. Yeah. I need to be confident when I talk. Um, I need to take opportunities to challenge people and explain my thinking. So listen, we ain't we ain't got the magic the magic potion for that one thing. We ain't we ain't uh, shaking a fairy a, a wand or anything that's gonna make you make you that. But um, nudging them in that direction and them thinking about it more will hopefully make them make them better yeah. for sure i mean i don't know how many things that you know us as kids are growing up that we did as goalkeepers you know for me it was constant constant crossing our goalkeeper coach asked us hey what do you want to do we're at the galaxy academy and we said hey you know 
we want to do as many crosses as we possibly can. We're not very good at judging crosses. Let's do it. So he was like, okay, I'm going to put my sessions. Every session we're going to have crossing. So at least three times a week, probably 20 minutes each, each day, we're going to oh, work shit. on crossing. So by the time I was done with that, I was able to judge crosses. And I do, I still, I'm still good at it now yeah, because yeah. it's just in my head. And I was able to process that. But instilling those little habits and those little technical or uh, t- techniques for you know, c- maturity and speaking up for yourself and having a, a thought and really with conviction backing it up, I think that's good at a young age to, yeah. to develop that. And then as they get older, it's second nature to them. They can yeah. step into a work environment, business environment, and say something that they've either studied or they really feel confident about and stand by it no matter what, which is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've, I've kind of used this analogy before. and I, I do like little analogies and quotes, but I'm not very good at coming up with them myself, so <laughs> bear with me. But um, I've likened coaching to um, to baking. I'm not great at baking. I'm good at cooking, but I'm, I'm, I'm no, not very good at baking at all. But if you're making a cake, right, um, what, what kind of flavor do you like in a cake? Chocolate. So you love chocolate. So as you're putting the mix together, if you like chocolate, what are you going to put into that mixture? Chocolate. Chocolate. Okay, so the outcome when it ends up being baked is... Chocolate cake. Chocolate cake. <laughs> so if you want a decision-making goalkeeper or a confident, outgoing, loud goalkeeper, make sure the ingredients of your session contain... Yeah. Opportunities for them to be loud, outgoing, or lots of decisions, whatever it may be. I want a lot of coaches out there who are listening and watching to this to hear that because that that is so, so important because I can't tell you how many times I've had team coaches come up to me and be like, this is the type of goalkeeper I want. And then I ask them what they've been doing in their sessions. I say, and you're, I'm like, that's completely counterintuitive to what you want. Yeah, yeah. So you're not giving them those, those tools like you're saying. I want to talk about stances for a second in the different areas because this is a, a slippery slope because everybody's got their own opinion on what type of a stance for a starting position based on the different areas. From the FA standpoint, where – what are the different stances that you should be using based on the different areas of distance from, uh, from the goal? Okay, so um, I think it'd be really easy to say, like, to give you a standard, um, all-encompassing statement about how to stand. Um, that's not something that, that I am willing to do or the FA is willing to do. And the reason for that is I don't know the, the attributes and skills of every goalkeeper in the country and across the world. Um, and I don't know if someone is able to if they're faster starting on the right foot versus starting on the left or with a, 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 a 90 degree knee bend or a 75 degree knee bend. Everyone's slightly different. Um, as a coach, we've got to be adaptable enough to make them slight tweaks with our keepers um, to make them as effective as, as they can be. Um, so that might be slightly different. Having said that, uh, what I will say is when you're defending the space and the ball can't be shot on goal and there is going to be a through ball uh, I personally would coach that if the ball is on the left hand side of the pitch to start with your right foot forward um, and, and the, re- the stagger yeah yes yeah, staggered so you're ready to, to push off forward to the ball um, the reason being it gets your shoulders orientated so when you arrive you can clear the ball up the pitch turn your shoulders in um, and also your feet your, your feet are planted in a way that when you do arrive to clear the ball or to, to smother it that they're they're ready and prepared to do that if it's the other way around you end up facing inwards to the pitch and you have to twist your body on arrival um so that's that's just a small a small bit that that i that i personally coach and try yeah. and try and help people with but if someone's doing it a different way and is really effective at it who am i to change it yeah you yeah. know they're the player they're being successful they don't need they don't need me talking nonsense to them about Starting in a different position. I think, um, yeah. From, yeah. from crossing, um, from from crossing positions, um, there's, there's like a really standard bog, really like bog standard answer for this, isn't there? That like you know you get your shoulders at 45 degrees where you can see the ball and the players, <laughs> yeah. And you you know you're on the balls of your feet and your stance is right. Um, but there ain't many goalkeepers who are really good at crossing. You know, it's not. You don't. You don't. I'm glad you looked right at me because yeah, you're yeah. absolutely <laughs> correct about <Yeah>. that. <laughs> you don't. You don't pick out a goalkeeper and go, "Oh, he's brilliant at crossing." There's not many like that either. Yeah. So I think there's some ground to be made up in in how well we defend the, defend our area from crosses. Um, I, I've personally worked with a goalkeeper this year. Uh, sorry, over the last couple of years, whose strategy for his his start position on crosses, his stance and his movement massively weren't aligned with what traditionally he should be doing. 
and it was working. Really well. So why is it that us as coaches force goalkeepers to stand in a certain way just because if, if something's being effective? Yeah, it's because it's because we go back to what we know. It's, it's comfort that we can return to what we know as coaches. We know that something's worked for us before and our bias takes us back to that to say, right, it'll work again. Yeah. And we go back and we keep using it and repeating it. Now, you know, naturally th things change, people progress, different ideas come in, you know. Um, the, Frosby, the Frosby flop was the best way to jump over the high jump for a number <laughs> of years. Um, yeah, changed it up. You know, mm -hmm. and it was it was it was changed to uh, what's it called now? I don't know, but the one back. Yeah, yeah, yeah the back yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the back, that backward one. Yeah, yeah it's going. The really one that looks really cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, was, it was going really well to that, wasn't it? So, <laughs> and and it changed, and suddenly the, the the success rate and the the height that people were able to jump the high jump now significantly increased due to a change of technique. I want to talk a little bit about. That's a great example. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. a, it's a really good one. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about organization again, and I want to talk about not just organizing the back line, because I think a lot of team coaches, they just focus on the goalkeeper organizing the back line and forget that there's an entire team out there. So I want to talk to you because we're talking about the, the deeper spaces. What is the role of the goalkeeper with the midfield? Because that's something that I feel like a lot of a lot of coaches don't touch on. Is like, is is, is there a role for the goalkeeper in the midfield in regards to obviously from where they're standing to actually directing them? Should you direct the midfield at all, or should you just focus on your back line? I have never been asked that question. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna make up an answer to it. Okay. Um, which is it's probably just, gonna be brilliant. Anyway, just so. a just a belief of mine. Um, the priority. The priority for the goalkeeper should be to communicate to their defenders, um, mainly the centre-halves who, who are closest to them, and potentially the full-backs as well when they're in defending positions. Um, having said that, if the opportunity arose where information was needed to be given to a midfielder for any given reason, the goalkeeper should be able and willing to do that. Um, Predominantly, I think you'd want your centre-half communicating to the midfielder because the centre-half would be taking their position from the position of the midfielder and what yeah. they should be doing. So I think to throw the goalkeeper's um, uh, opinion and, and, and the direction into that could potentially cause a problem. Um, so I'm not saying you should never speak to the midfield or communicate to them. Um, but, but primary, I think it would be the, the centre half. But I, I, yeah, thanks for asking the question. <laughs> no, I, I, the <laughs> reason I'm asking. No, yeah, the biggest question. ones. I mean, the biggest things would just be, hey, you know, cut off the entry passes, and your guys are, you know, finding certain lanes, and yeah. then, like you said, communicate with the centre backs, the midfielders, making yeah. sure those entry passes are cut off, yeah. or the forwards apply a little bit more pressure. So just continuously from one line, one line to the next line to the yeah. next line, make sure everyone's in the same wavelength. And even the biggest ones we see is when you know your team's played defending in a block of you know block of ten or a block of eight the forwards are dropping off so deep that the center backs have the liberty to keep touching touching yeah, yeah. and then from there as our, as our you know as goalkeepers we're on the front foot cuz we know with that much that much time we've all been taught that when they touch the ball anything over the top is on yeah, cuz yeah. they have so much time to to pick out a pass so it's just that you said just the unified message from from this back line all the way to the front and it doesn't have to be even communicated when the play is happening it's hey the ball went out of bounds quickly let's like yeah. you know uh, find that that proper verbiage terminology mm -hmm. get it done quick and it shouldn't be anything you said quick clear concise and direct quick and then get it over with yeah. by the way i love one thing that you said at the session uh yesterday the the, the lecture that you gave in regards to having a, uh, a a goalkeeper vocabulary that everyone on in the squad is familiar with yeah and uh because a lot of times as we all we all know vocabulary is regional it's cultural sometimes yeah yeah and 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 people get confused i, I had a situation actually just not that long ago we, we had nathan on you know uh, uh earlier today and basically you know i i mentioned you know speed of play his idea of speed of play what he what he thought i was talking about and my idea of speed of play were two completely different things so how do you guys work with that and how do you guys get coaches to buy into let's use this vocabulary so that everyone's on the same page yeah that was a that was a real win of ours when we put together our goalkeeping dna around having um you know picked out some some key words for us but then defining what them key words and descriptions meant and it, it really just aligned us as coaches to be one working towards the same thing the same outcome yeah but two talking about the same stuff as well I remember driving over in my car from a game and speaking to Richard Artis around a certain performance and he was describing someone's ability to exploit space in possession and what I thought that was versus what he thought that was completely different. 
um, which is absolutely fine. You know, we've all come from a different different place, um, so just being on the same page really helped us. And and when you say making other people uh, agree to that, I think you said we don't do that. Okay. We we don't tell people what to do. Um, we're open and we share. So you're not like telling Man City Academy, like, hey, the, the FA is saying this is how no, you have to no, talk. No, no, yeah, no, no. Okay. We, we ain't doing. We ain't doing that at all. We are. We are um, open in our um, open and, and what's the word? Adaptable or like? No, 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 no. no. I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> we are open and and, uh, and clear with with what we do. We share a lot. Um, we don't transparent. You know, transparent. Yes. Aha. Boom. Look at Omar. <laughs> Omar for the win right I'm here. I zoned out, but I Gold star out. right there. Look <laughs> at that. We're open and transparent with what we do, and we share with with all the clubs that we work with on the courses and when we put events on. Um, we want people to come up with their way, with their DNA, with their club's DNA, their players' DNA. Yeah. Um, for the male game, for the female game, for the for the other formats of the game, and we want them to come up with something that's better than ours, because. Their environment's different to ours. Their game style's different to ours. You've just touched on kids and cultural difference and areas where I think people people are different. We we want someone to come up with something that good that we nick we nick it back <laughs> off them. So um, we're not stupid enough to think that we've got all the answers yeah. or we've got the holy grail. That that was kind of like the, for lack of a better term, the stereotype about the FA for so many years is that they were stuck in their ways and they were rigid and that they they weren't willing to change. You know, and and it seems like with the new modern modern goalkeeping style and everything like that it's it's completely flipped 180 good yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased about that yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've come over here this week uh, as a guest um, of, of um, the association over here uh, I've, I've not come here just to stand up preach and present I'm getting around as many people as I can uh, like yourselves to share ideas uh, to, to share stories to, to share how we train. I've been into numerous workshops, um, not that many to do directly with football. Uh, I went to a communication workshop this morning. I went to a behaviour one yesterday. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to take some stuff as well. So yeah. for us, learning never stops. Um, and every time we present what we do, we, we want some kickback, we want some yeah. pushback, we want some challenge. If we can't justify why we're doing what we do, we shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. So, Thank um, you. Yeah opening up that dialogue oh, is so important 100 percent, yeah. yeah and and yesterday what you saw what i what i presented you know you saw the finished product you know that 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 wasn't it that wasn't the first draft you yeah, know yeah that was probably the 10th and minor tweaks have been made here there and everywhere the people who've who've, who've been involved in putting that together and the people who sense checked it for us have all had an input and for me <laughs> yeah. that's that's what it's about isn't it you know yeah. we're not it's not a one-size-fits-all and also don't think anyone, any one person has got the answer to everything. So, um, I think, yeah. yeah, that's super important, though. I think it's in anything you look at, either how countries run or how uh, just anything is run from a, the DOC up until, you know, f head of the FA. It's all about the person who's in charge and their personality and what they're willing. So you're saying transparent, adaptable, willing to listen to other other coaches, willing to listen to better things. I think that's important, too. We say in business sometimes A, hire A's, B's, hire C's. So the A's hire the A because they know that the A's have things to offer and things to, to help them sharpen their skills. Mm -hmm. People who are insecure about their stuff or don't feel like they're comfortable or confident in their in their you know word or methodologies, yeah. they hire the people who are going to be conformist and people who are going to say yes sir, no yeah. sir, things like that. So I think that's important from the top down that you're setting that tempo, setting that tone for everybody else to kind of follow suit. Because if from the top you're doing it, then everybody else has no reason to, to not do it. So I think that's important. Yeah. I think I think the role. You know, historically, the role of a coach is is the the guy or the or the lady with, with who's the authority, mm -hmm. who's got authority, who has the power, who who holds all the cards, who holds all the answers. The book stops with that person. They have the say. They have the final answer. That is historically the role of of a boss or a leader. Um, when ultimately, it's a it's 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 it does need leadership and guidance. But you need people around you who are going to better you and better what you all do. There's no point in having three me's, three people the same as me. Um, you know, having that di diversity around you uh, in how they think, how they work, their background is, is, is really important. And um, when we when we uh, were hiring for the roles, at the, the job at the, for the jobs at the FA, one thing that um, that Dan Ashworth said to me was, "Do not hire someone who is easy to manage." Um, 
and uh, I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I had a good chat with him about it, and, and I, I look back now and think, you know, really fantastic advice. You know, it'd be really easy just to hire people who are similar to you, easy to manage, think the same way as you do. Um, but you're going to end up doing the same stuff all the time, and you get that you then get a confirmation or affirmation bias, and you you're patting each other on the back all the time. Um, so we had we had a, we had a really good balance um, with with the. Um, with the guys we had at the FA, a real diverse background of ages, experience, um, of what people had done, uh, clubs that they'd been at, uh, their, their education route, um, the countries they were from, the parts of the country they were from. Um, and I do believe that that really helped us uh, develop, you know, to the stage that we've got to. And I, I'll continue to, to, try and, um, to try and guide it in that way. Is, yeah. is, was, is that difficult in, in regards to the FA when you've, got, when you've got people coming from different walks of life, let's just say, and goalkeepers coming from different walks of life and bringing them all together into, you know, in, in, into St. George's Park and, and having them kind of coexist and, and try to develop at the same time for, throughout the youth programs all the way to the senior team? Um, or are you able to get them young enough where they all kind of buy in early, early enough? So. Yeah, I don't think it's about... Is it about getting them to buy in? I think it's about um, getting them to understand what's what, why it's important to play for England and to play for their country. That's really important for us. We want people who want to play for their country and who are passionate about it uh, to understand the cultural background yeah. of England. Um, but it's also important that they bring a bit of themselves as well. We 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 want we want them. You know, we want them as people, not them as robots. So we've got to provide an environment where they're able to, to blossom in it and, and bring the best version of them that they can. Um, that means us as coaches have got to be adaptable, selfless, understand that people are different um, and try and support them the best the best way possible, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to talk real quickly because I, I know we're running long here. I know you said a half an hour. On, what are we on? <laughs> what are we on? Tell me. Okay. Uh, percent no, no, no. What, at what time we're are we We're at 43 on? right now. 43. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you said you said 30, and I know we're at 43 right now. And you said you said though you said you know what if we're going to start go talking goalkeeping, I might just continue to keep talking goalkeeping <laughs> if I'm having a good time. Which which now I was like, if we're past the 30 mark and he's still here, that means he was having a good time. So so I'm not I'm not freaking out as much anymore. I, I want to talk about the percentage of time that we should spend on the different areas in training um, because I feel that I, I honestly see probably 80, 20, 10 when it comes to at least the youth level here in the United States. And by 80, I mean defending the goal as the okay. number one area where people are spending most of their time. W what are your feelings in regards to that? 80, 20, 10, that's 110, dude. Okay, well, I'm not good at math. <laughs> I was like, damn. Okay, I am not good at math. <laughs> am I doing something wrong? No, 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 I'm bad at math. I, uh, I, I took geometry my <laughs> sophomore year in high school, and I got a C-. minus. I took oh, it my junior year because my parents told me I had to retake it to get a better grade. I got a D. Oh, so uh, math is not my strong suit. Um, I, do understand how to, I do understand how to, how to cut off angles, though. But it's, it is prioritized. Right? I mean, the, the, when, I ask these, when I ask questions like this in my head, I always say, like, how would I answer it? And for me, it's like, but isn't it prioritized based on the age, right? Like every age has different turns and different needs, and that's kind of how you build from there. And yeah, then yeah, I think so. Um, you've got age, mm -hmm. and you've also got the stage of the development that they're at. People often attribute what a goalkeeper should be doing to what age they are. So I see, I see very often on Twitter and stuff, people say, oh, I, I teach people the technical base from the ages of 9 to 11. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> on their 11th birthday. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all tactical for yeah. them. It's all tactical yeah, Now we can move there. on to physical. So, yeah. listen, it's, um, you've got to consider the stage more than the age yeah. of, of where they're up to. And um, I guess for the listeners out there and for you guys, it'd be brilliant now if I came up with a number that, <laughs> added, up, that added up to 100. Yeah, that we could just put, <laughs> up, on, just put up on social media and yeah. then everyone's like, everyone's like oh, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, and it's like, right, someone said it should be, you know, 25, 25, 25, whatever. Um I think you've got to be comfortable as a coach knowing that you've provided uh, the, the goalkeepers who you're lucky enough to work with the opportunity to showcase, develop, experiment in, in every area. Um, Why are so many times in goalkeeper development programs that I see throughout the world when they say the development of a goalkeeper, they do it by age and they don't do it based on the level of experience of the goalkeeper? Because it's easy. Okay. Age is a number. Yeah. Um, it's really clear to see, you know, your birthday's here. Uh, there's 365 days or 64 days till the next one. 
So I know you're going to be 10 for that amount of time, so I'm going to do this kind of work with you while you're 10. It's simple and logical for us. So if, if we can delve a bit deeper into right, what stage are they actually at, one in, their, one in their learning and two in the development, you then need to tailor your content accordingly. Um, so if someone's going through a stage of maturation, they're definitely going to be uncoordinated. They're definitely going to make quite a lot of mistakes. They're probably going to be quite emotional as well. So what they need in that, uh, that stage from you as a coach is a lot of support. Yeah. Um, don't get frustrated with them. Uh, encourage them to keep trying the right things and make the right decisions and not worry when it goes wrong because that's where they need uh, probably need our help and support. So yeah. I think, did I answer that question? I know it was just rambling. No, 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 no. I think you answered that question. <laughs> I, I mean, it made, it made perfect sense. I, I love it because um, one of the ages that, that a lot of people have difficulties working with is that is that, mid, that middle age group, that adolescent age group because everyone's at a different level of physical maturation, uh, emotional maturation, mental maturation and uh and you can't just kind of have a blanket statement on, on what kind of works like that and i see a lot of kids actually get uh thrown to the wayside or lose the love of the game because yeah. they're cons they, they were so good at 10 and now all of a sudden at 11 yeah. they're all weird and awkward and stuff and yeah, now yeah. making these mistakes and the coach is like i don't know he was so good last year mm. he was so good last year he's <laughs> like is this he's trash now i don't know what it is like i can't are you in maturation at the moment <laughs> i am def i i at some point i'll get into maturation uh i've, I've been waiting for that uh, i've been asking how, what, what kind of advice people would give maybe pilates will help with the flexibility and, and you're not and, the first person to say that today so yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, that, I think in England that's one of the biggest. I think that's our biggest drop off. Uh, I think that that, matura that uh, youth development phase, maturation stage. Jack, who was stood here before, uh, when you bump into him again, ask him. He's an expert in that area. That's the biggest drop off in uh, in definitely male football. Not sure I'm female, but um, there's a, we did, we did some work with a, a guy who's specialist in um, like the social corner. Fellow called Murph Roberts, who, who makes you understand learning a lot better and how the human brain works and how we interact. Uh, and he explains that scenario. Um, can you can you picture that teenager when you know they're, they're no longer standing up, standing up tall and straight and proud anymore, and they're slumped and their heads hanging forward and they look like the world's on the shoulders? Can you picture that that person? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You've probably um, you've probably seen some that you've coached and you're like, you know, what's wrong with them? Why are they so miserable and their heads down? He attributes that to, and I don't know whether this is right or wrong, and sure there'll be someone a lot cleverer than, clever than me that comes on and says it's a different reason, but he attributes that to the change that's taking place in the brain in that part of life. There's so many new um, uh, pathways being made, being emerged, developing, growing in their brain that literally their brain does become heavier, the amount of blood flow in it, the amount of new, new kind of tissue and stuff actually makes you heavier. And all that passing up through your neck and stuff. So got a bit deep here, haven't we? But no, that's I, thought that I never like, thought I've never heard of that. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's you know, and that and that also should indicate to us, right, when that's happening, when you see that happening with your fourteen year old, you know, uh, keeper or whoever you're working with, don't be surprised that they're grumpy and they don't want to speak yeah. to you anymore and they're always getting frustrated. Don't be surprised. Fight we've we've got to be agile as coaches to find a different way to support that. Um, and, and support the person first, not the goalkeeper. I love that. That's that's inc that's incredible because a lot of times what just happens is either the parent or the coach comes to the goalkeeper coach and says he's just depressed. Mm. He's just depressed. I don't know what it is. Can you make it fun for him because he's just depressed. Mm. He, he doesn't seem to have that same joy that he had last yeah, year. Yeah. You know. That's yeah, people don't enjoy what they're not good at sometimes. Uh, if yeah, you, yeah. yeah, if you're not good, good at point. something and and you have to especially if you used to be good at it. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. that that's really frustrating yeah. and you don't know why you're yeah. not good at it anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. and now you happen to be six two, and it's awkward for you. You know, <laughs> you were five yeah. eight last year. You yeah, know, yeah, no, correct. Yeah, yeah. you know, no, but that's why it's I'm good still to make five it eight, so it makes it, it's fine for me. <laughs> yeah. you know, so. well, that's why it's good, obviously, to make it fun, but at the same at the same time too, with like decision making and things like that. So at least they're distracted from the depression, distracted from all that stuff, but at the same yeah. time they're progressing and uh, doing the right stuff. So yeah, yeah. yeah uh, sure. Tim, a couple more things before we can get you out of here. I, I just want to know. Uh, games. Uh, this is one thing that a lot of people talk about is that, and I'm not talking about making a game realistic, but I'm, I'm talking about with the youth level, games, competitive games, so that it's not just feels like training, but it actually feels like a competitive environment where uh, where they're pushing themselves to, There's and there's actual outcome, win or loss type of a thing. Yeah. Do you think that's important? Are you talking about training or, or actual match day? I'm talking about, tra I'm talking about training. Okay, okay, training. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah. I think most of us and the kids that we know, and if you've got kids yourself... I think most kids 
you know, my lad doesn't come to me and say, Dad, I can't wait to go to training tonight to do that drill where I wait in a line for, for a, a pass that I get every fifth go and then I have to pass it to another cone and then run round one. Um, what, he does, what he does come to me about, he's like, can't wait to play a game tonight and try my skills. He's an outfield player, my lad. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to try my skills and try and make someone. That was a good decision and, on your part. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and stick it in the top corner. I can't wait to do that. I love, love doing that. Uh, and, 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 and flip it on its head. They don't come home and say the opposite. Oh, it was great tonight. Why well, was training great? Oh, it was great because um, I had to stand in this box. I wasn't allowed out of it. But every now and again, I got a pass that I had to control and pass somewhere yeah. else. What he does come home and say is, oh, see me in the game when I meg someone. And then when I did a, you know, a, a flip-flop and went through someone's like whatever it is, that's the bit they love. So, you know, yeah. we've got to be, as coaches, what that means to us, we've got to be clever enough or as clever as possible to design practices which have got a specific outcome to help the development but have also got a specific area of motivation where the players want to perform and ultimately have a way of winning as well. Yeah, is the point system a, a good system, or is that is that a bad system? Because then, just some people have argued and they've said they've said that the point system is bad because then you have, you know, a goalkeeper. You know, you got one goalkeeper essentially yeah. who's going to feel great after the session, and the other people feel like, well, I lost the session. We you know? we literally. Um, with the England teams, with our coaches, we literally have a scoring system on every exercise. If we don't have a scoring system, What's there the has point, to be yeah. a blinking good reason why. Okay. Yeah. Um, sometimes when I'm coaching on my own, sometimes I forget to and I kick myself after it. Um, sometimes I find it hard to follow the score and remember what, what, what action gives you what points. But <laughs> you, need, you, you need motivation yeah. to do a certain action. Yeah. You know, you don't... Um, just as human beings in general. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, you don't... If I told you to run, run to that, um, that pillar and back, you know, and get back, sat on your chair, like, if I just said, right, go and do it, you'd run over and run back. If I said to you, do you think you could run to that pillar and... Or, or I'm going to give you a Mars bar if you run to the pillar and back in less than five seconds, straight yeah. away, you, you, there's, there's something to go after. Absolutely. And there's a reward. So you're going to be more intent... There's going to be more intent in, in your actions and what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, just while we're on the topic, there's no chance you could get there and back <laughs> in 10 seconds, let alone five. Well, they're different, different too, right? Like if you have, let's say... You're I at was your literally about to gr take down the microphone and start running over there. But, <laughs> but you go like no. best out of three or something like that, and then like it's like the 90th minute. You're making, let's say you're down 2-0 to zero in, the, in the little mini game, or two, it's 2-2, two, two, and then you guys have that last second goal or whoever, yeah, yeah. you know, the the it's heightened a little bit more, yeah, and yes, your yeah. mind is even sharper, yeah. and the 90th minute in the game, you've already had that kind of technical kind of like, yeah. uh, not maturation, but it's kind of been groomed a little bit more in, in yeah. sessions, yeah. And, and and yeah, it is, yeah, it's a really good point, you know, that that kind of like, you're in the red zone there, mm -hmm. aren't you, that kind of magic moment, you know, we've, yeah. all, you, we've all sensed it where, you know, with different scenarios where it like, the intensity's up, and you're a bit you're a bit anxious and I'm, I'm on top and there's a comeback on and they're, they're, they're beautiful moments aren't they so yeah. the more than beautiful moments we can create the better yep. uh, just to your point there because you did ask a question which I didn't answer should we worry about that there's going to be a winner and a loser for me no okay because uh, th there is going to be a winner and a loser in life um, we need to provide opportunities to win and also coping the mechanisms to when you lose and um, have, you know, putting people in the, in the position where they might lose and then are able to win or are winning and, and end up uh, throwing it away, it's a skill, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, we, we don't hide away from that. And if, if you're not winning, if you're not winning and you keep losing, you know, something's probably going to happen to you anyway. Yeah. yeah. How much how much more coaching needs to take place? And, Ben, we could just go on forever, and I know we got to get you out of here, but how much more coaching should take place after, after a loss versus after a win? Same amount. Oh, same amount, okay. Yeah. Coaching's okay. coach. Coaching's non-stop. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're constantly just developing as people, as players, you know. For sure. All the time. The, 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 the studies I've done and when I've spoken to the best coaches and players, it's an attribute of the best goalkeepers of all time. They've all had a thirst to develop and and, uh, and improve themselves yeah. constantly. So. Yeah, so Joey Barton was saying about Peter Schmeichel, like in training sessions, if the ball was in the back of the net, he always kicked it out. He had like a – not a – it's like a habit that he never wanted balls in the back of the net because he in the game he's like in games we don't have that happen to us so why would I why would I be okay with it in training yeah, yeah. and it's just that extra like piece of DNA that some guys have yeah. that's why Pickford is a little bit where he is because he's just resilient through all the ups and downs and yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah some of them, some of them self-teach as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to Tom Heaton a few years ago, and and uh, I'd seen him, I'd seen him make a uh, a real key save in a game uh, on match of the day. Zlatan. Um, where he pun? The Zlatan save where he came like starfished it. I, it wasn't that one, but oh, that, okay. that was good. But, uh, <laughs> really unique save that I've never seen him make before so I just rang him up or texted him or I was having a chat with him and I, I was just curious and I, I said like where where did you learn that like what made you come up with that and he said well I've seen a few other people doing it and you know I thought I should add it to my game I was like oh have you done some you know have you, you know have you spoke to Billy about it and stuff he's like yeah well I spoke to my coach and we've just come up with a way for it to work for me and you know I've kind of taught it myself really that's that's top level, isn't it? That's why you watch games. Yeah, yeah. I had a, had a VCR set of Peter Schmeichel, and I literally used to watch it every time before I went to bed. And there were times where you know I did the starfish, kind of came out on a one v one and turned my head a little bit, but had my my entire body spread out. Yeah, yeah. And you just watch that; it's a visual learning of if, mm. uh, yeah. in those key moments that you might need to recall. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up that Schmeichel. That's Michael quote because I I'd heard that Schmeichel quote when I was younger too, and I literally went to a training session and. The ball. The, the coach wanted me to have the balls. Not not the goalkeeper <laughs> coach. The team coach wanted me to have the balls in the because we were playing playing you know uh, flying changes and he wanted the balls in the net so they could quickly you know play the ball back in and and I freaked out. I'm like you guys have to have I can't have the balls in the net. Can't Pitch have the balls goal. in the net. I want to I wanted yeah. to start to push him in the side and the coach started freaking out. I'm he's like I want them in the net so the guys can grab them quickly. They're gonna be flying everywhere and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm like come on man you're 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 just now challenging everything I was just learning. Yeah. Can, I, can I finish the podcast with something? Quick question. Two yeah. cool questions. One yeah. is with Tom Heaton's ACL now. Now you got you know choice for the Euros, and I mean Everton's okay, and I, I don't think a lot of those goals Pickford's giving up are really his fault. But is there any question that Pickford would be the number one? And in terms of the three goalkeepers that are going, do you think Dean Henderson has kind of slid his way in with Nick Pope a little bit, or I don't know? I mean, Butland's still at Stoke, right? So I don't know yeah, if he's still right. has he has he is he still in the mix? Yeah, they all are. You know, we're, we're fortunate enough to have five or six uh, fairly, young, too, fairly, I mean, fairly yeah. young goalkeepers uh, who are all playing uh, Premier League or top of the Championship. Um, so we're really fortunate with that. Uh, Jordan's having a really good season, but his mentality is the mentality of a number one. He's relentless. He's relentless in his, his approach to be number one. Mm-hmm. So he's, he, he will be more than aware that there's other people doing well and he'll be keeping, he'll be right, he'll have his foot right on the... Um, yeah. On, right on the metal to make sure and ensure that he, he, he is number one. Um, he's now got he he's got a major tournament behind him now in the fact that he, he went and performed at the World Cup and was one of the best goalkeepers there. And he'll be using his knowledge that he, he acquired before and during that tournament to probably go and deliver as, as equally as he as well as he did. Uh, at the same time, the lads who are challenging, yeah, and who are now around him, blinking neck, they're hungry. <laughs> they're really hungry. Yeah. And they're also improving uh, every day, and there's three or four of them now. So, it's at the moment it's a, it's not a perfect storm because I, you know, I don't think anything's perfect, but it's a real nice uh, mix and dynamic and and dilemma. Yeah, yeah. For it's Gareth. a good thing to have. Good thing. It's to a have. dilemma for Gareth yeah. to make. Um, but I must I'm, I must add to that that uh, to that answer. It, you know what a real shame for Tom. Uh, not just a great goalkeeper, a great but man, a great yeah. person. Yes. Adds brings so much to a team and a squad, as a as a guy, as a leader, as a communicator, um, inspiration to a lot of us. Um, he actually came in in November, gave up uh, his evening, drove over an hour to come and sit with uh, our goalkeepers at a goalkeeping camp. He spoke to them for two hours around his career, wow. around his ups and downs, around his challenges. Uh, spoke so openly and honestly. Uh, and gave them time afterwards, all off his own back, and um, and just to close that story, now that he's um, he's got his injury, he's got his ACL, which is going to keep him out for a significant period of time. He's coming uh, in February to study for his uh, goalkeeping B license. Awesome. Um, to to obviously uh, equip himself. Student to be, of to the be, game. To be ready to right coach. there. So, Student of the game. So yeah, what a guy, and um, you know, hats off to how he's dealt with it, and. Um, speedy recovery he'll definitely get back to the top yeah i hope so yeah and um, last question here dean henderson do you think he's going to move back to uh man united i mean i know de gea is obviously there but there's just a lot of stuff going on there but i think you know they have his rights so at a certain point that, they may have to access that the person who's most in control of that decision is dean 
uh, and that's something that I speak to him a lot about. Uh, he's he's so passionate and so driven to um, to get to the top as high as he can, and I, I always remind him that he's in control of that. His performances and his behaviour on and off the pitch will ultimately uh, define where he ends up. So if he performs as to the levels that he can, it, it takes the decision out of uh, Ollie's hands and Richard Artis's hands, and uh, there, do, there isn't a decision for United to take other than back he comes and in he yeah. goes, or, yeah. or, or, or any challenges. Yeah, same thing with I mean Pickford at Sunderland for a little bit, give him get, learn the ropes a little bit, make your not mistakes, but you kind of yeah. have to be thrown into the water yeah. early, and then from there you're you're good enough now to yeah, go to the World Cup and then yeah. obviously be the, the starting goalkeeper at yeah. Everton. So yeah. we, we've been we've been really fortunate with that because we. We were aware that we had some talented young goalkeepers and one of the biggest challenges in England is the, the opportunity for English players to play at the highest level, outfield players as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's really so refreshing that we've got some talented goalkeepers playing now and you know, the lads that we haven't mentioned, such as Aaron Ramsdale down at, at Bournemouth. Um, Angus Gunn started the Premier League. Southampton's out the team at the moment, but we'll yeah. get back in at some stage. Alex McCarthy's balling. Uh, yeah, Alex, do, Alex yeah. is doing great. Um, and Ang Freddie, Angus had some great performances yeah, at, at yeah, Southampton. Yeah, so. yeah he, did, he certainly did. Freddie Woodman uh, performing in the, the Championship. World, U20s, no? U20 World yeah, Cup. Yeah, under 20 Golden Glove winner uh, at the World Cup, performing in the Championship in the top six. I think he's got one of the best clean sheet records. Working with Martin Madsen, who's an outstanding, you know, brilliant coach to have. Um, so there's. There's lots of good stuff going on, and and what interests me even more is like I'm I'm aware that there's two or three under there that that could do the same as well. So it's wow. it's so exciting, and uh, it's a pleasure just to be around and 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 throw my two penneth worth in when I can. That depth <laughs> chart is just unreal, and honestly, just the England youth in general is just the depth is unreal right now. And I mean, I it, so. it, obviously, we've been seeing with the, with the results in, in in the youth uh you know tournaments the way that when you guys sweeping, are doing, guys are sweeping it's just, everything. It's just unreal. Yeah, yeah, we've had a couple of good years. Yeah, so we need to. We need to sustain that and turn it into some senior success eventually as well. So I could see your face when you're talking about your keepers. You just have so much pride, which is it's, it's so important. And you yeah. have the like from the top not, down. That, I must jump in there. They're not mine. They're they're ours. Like I I I I'm quite strong with that. I don't like when people say my keeper. Oh, I mean the English. I mean yeah, 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 yeah the they're, they're ours. They're ours. Yeah, they're definitely yeah. not definitely not mine. And I'm not the architect of anyone or anything. Um, I just you know try and support as best as I can and. It's a uh, privilege and proud to be involved in it. So, amen. Yeah. Um, all right. Last thing. Uh, last thing I want to say. Uh, honestly, Tim, thank you for taking all this time. I mean, we've gone over an hour, and I, I honestly, our audience is going to just flip out with all this knowledge. This is we did say twenty minutes, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, 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 we did. We did. And uh, and and I'm, geez, I'm, I'm, I owe you dinner. Uh, no, his, his math isn't very good. So we My said math is yeah, not twenty minutes over, 20 an minutes hour. <laughs> like over, over an hour. Um, <laughs> if you have any advice for any any youth coaches out there uh, in regards to. Um, how how they should be you know developing their sessions to to develop a, a preventative goalkeeper you know what's what's your advice to them okay um be curious be a curious coach um, be willing to listen and change um when you pick a topic to work on think about what happens before that action so if you're working on cutbacks don't start with the ball in the cutback position and you at the near post ready to ready to save it start with the ball in a different position so it gets rolled towards the byline you have to readjust and as it's kicked you then have to make a decision on what you whether you whether you come and smother it whether you stay in your goal how far you go down the line you know give provide the provide the scenario that the game does and the problems that it throws up and then coach within that um, don't just coach the action Amen. I think that's that, very good. No, yeah. I, I want to take that. I want to take that quote honestly. Omar, I'm sure, is going to make a quote on his uh, his Instagram <laughs> channel with that. They're like, don't just don't, take the action. Don't don't just coach the action. Yeah, do um, all right, guys. Coach the moments around it. Yeah. Honestly, so. I, I want to say one thing that that's just absolutely amazing is that you're so accessible on social media despite your your stature, which is just absolutely incredible. So if anybody out there uh, wants to know more about what you guys do with the FA or has any. It wants to reach out to you to find out, you know, more advice or, or I, I know it's obviously you get flooded with so many different people with the emails and stuff like that. Where's, where's the best place I, for people to reach out? I guess if, I guess if um, there's anything that needs to be elaborated from this conversation or that we've not covered, you know, just fire in some questions and I'm more than happy just to fire some answers over, you know, fire them into you, you get them to me, I'll just answer them. Okay. 
Yeah. Fine. All right. So, so reach out to us guys at contact at inside the 18 media.com. If you have any questions for Tim and, and we'll, we'll relay them back to him and then we'll, we'll try to get that information back out to you guys. Remember at goalkeeper podcast on all social media platforms, except for Twitter, which is at goalkeeper pod. Um, you can reach out to Omar Zini um, at pro GK Academy, uh, except for underscore on Instagram. You got to <laughs> remember that underscore right there. Check out the YouTube videos. Absolutely brilliant stuff. He doesn't just start with the cutback. He starts with the, the, the action prior to the cutback. Back. I need to see this stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah he literally did a cutback session uh, this this past I week did. that he posted. It so. was tough, you know. I yeah. asked my keepers to do one touch finishing from the 18. Not easy, but we got we got good, good work out of it. So it was yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's all the time on Inside the 18, guys, and we are out later. Yeah. Yeah.